And joining us here for the news briefing is Ha Mi Sorang. Good morning to you. Good morning, Henry. All right. So uh, we're going to begin with this uh, story, which is the question of the day. Do you think what uh, the uh, Justice Party lawmaker, Do Yu Ho-jung, what she wore at the National Assembly, do you think that attire, that uh, clothing was appropriate or not? Texas 1, if you do. Two, if you don't, at pound 1013.51 per message, Texas and Korean or in English, your reasons why, and we'll give out a 10,001 coffee voucher to uh, one of our listeners. So um, give us the backdrop all of this. Uh, a lot of talk about uh, what you wore at the uh, plenary session yesterday. That's right. So if you've been following the story online or on TV, you would have seen the dress. Mm-hmm. Um, but for people who haven't, I will give a description. Yes. So proportional representative Du Ho-jung, she wore a summer dress. And as you mentioned in the opening, Henry, it's a light wraparound A-line dress. It's pinkish. It has a geometric pattern. Uh, short sleeves and cut above the knee. And you match this with a pair of black canvas shoes, casual shoes, and a yellow mask, which represents the Justice Party's colour. So perhaps it was on the more casual and more, you know, lighter mm-hmm. side mm-hmm. of attire compared to what's conventional for the National Assembly. Right. But it did generate way too much buzz, I thought, for what it was, especially on certain online communities. Some comments from Danji Ilbo's online forum, for example. Is she a sex worker? Me too fishing. And I bet she likes being an eye candy for old lawmakers. Hmm. From Ilgambest Tojangso or Ilbe, is she going on a blind date? Dress more provocatively. To all this, political commentator Jin Jung-kwon questioned, is there a separate National Assembly attire? People are crazy. Right, and so uh, I know there are supporters, but critics of uh, Jin Jong-un will kind of question whether he should be the uh, final moral arbiter uh, to this uh, decision. Interestingly, um, she is being compared to another very prominent figure uh, who has been in the news lately, largely in relation to this common Yuchak scandal mm-hmm. or the media prosecution collusion scandal. And that is uh, Yu Shimin, who yeah. was a former lawmaker way back in the day when you were in kinder- kindergarten. And uh, <laughs> he actually also similarly caused a stir because right. of what he had decided to wear after winning a re-election, right? That's right. So he wore a pair of white pants without a tie instead of the dark colored suit with a tie that is the norm. So back then it was somewhat scandalous and even now even before this Liu Hojang dress it was still talked about quite frequently yeah, because right. if you go to Naver, Daum or even Google and type in Yu Min, it was one of the top 10 autocomplete mm-hmm. terms mm-hmm. white pants or pants next to Liu Min's uh, name. Now at the time Liu Min he said that he just wore what was comfortable for him. The National Assembly is a place to work and so he came wearing clothes that are good for work. And since then, Yu has elaborated on numerous occasions and said that he didn't choose that outfit to either stand out or to insult the National Assembly. It was purely out of personal preference. Now back to Ryu Ho-jung. Other lawmakers jumped in to defend her choice of attire. Uh, DP's Gu Min-jung wrote on her Facebook account, I don't always agree with Ryu Ho-jung. But this time, I want to thank her for breaking the National Assembly's excessive puritanism and authoritarianism. Also, former Justice Party leader Lee Jong-min, Lee Jong-mi rather, chimed in as well, writing, what does, it matter if, what does it matter what one wears? Mm. And referring to the sexual harassment and defamatory comments, Lee wrote, 
To be exposed to these kinds of crimes just for wearing a dress in the 21st century, it's disgusting. Okay, so there are so many layers to, uh, I, I guess, unpack here mm-hmm. with uh, the Liu uh, Hojung attire issue. First of all, uh, if you look at the portal sites, it was amazing. And we yeah. were just talking before on air how maybe there's not a lot of news to discuss. Because uh, if you went on, let's say, the Naver portal, portal site, And they do have an anti-government bias, I think you can say, uh, among their listeners. But uh, if you look at the ranking news, Mm -hmm. from 1 through 20 at one point, it was all this story. And a a lot of it was uh, conservative media outlets uh, basically talking about the criticism that she received, some of the very outlandish comments Mm -hmm. that were made. So it's very clear that conservative media right now wants to frame this in a way that I think because of the problems with uh, gender and, and sexual harassment that have occurred um, on the ruling party side, mm-hmm. that they're kind of kind of building up on that issue with you. That being said, uh, the, the criticisms against Ju Ho-jung uh, from the ruling party side really kind of date back prior to what she wore because when she was running as a candidate and she was the uh, number one proportional pres- uh, mm-hmm. representative candidate in this past national election for the Justice Party, uh, she had made some comments critical of Choguk, which had yeah. angered the uh, Democratic Party supporters. And then uh, subsequently, she had a controversy with, she's a former pro-gamer, mm-hmm. and uh, she, she had is. a con- controversy mm-hmm. over League of Legends and uh, this sort of teddy or this uh, p- putting someone else to play for your account, which is mm-hmm. a big no-no in the gaming world. Apparently, and so goes against. Yeah, yeah, and so she's she's kind of somebody who's already kind of been uh, creating a lot of that buzz, anyways. And then most recently, with the uh, passing of Solmir Pagwansun, she did come out very publicly and said, "I'm not going to go pay my respects yeah. to him," which a lot of people felt. Okay, look, you can be upset about him and maybe not like him as a person, but you don't have to make such a public show of your disdain, mm-hmm. especially with his bereaved family uh, going through uh, this period. So mm-hmm. it kind of all kind of goes into line with this narrative of what she's wearing. She's kind of bucking the trend, or she's mm-hmm. kind of flouting uh, convention and uh, people have made the point okay if if you feel you're modern and progressive that's fine but if you go to a funeral if you go in a tank top and shorts people will say that's inappropriate and likewise the national assembly um there is a sense of decorum that yeah. must be mm-hmm. adhered to. i guess that's the point that the critics are making i mean putting aside all the uh, uh, you Central know yeah the, the uh, unsuitable and and very kind of like uh, need need to be condemned type of statements mm-hmm. that's right um i think it also goes to you mentioned the decorum but also the gravitas of the national assembly i think people some people they felt that it was a little bit threatened or that she was uh kind of championing that, trying yeah. to override that and draw some buzz for herself. And I do, like like you had just told us, uh, I do think Ko Min-jung of the ruling party really struck the perfect tone here is that we don't have to um, agree with Ju Hyo-jung and her tactics. And mm-hmm. maybe we can even question her motives. Maybe she is trying to troll people here. Mm-hmm. Maybe we don't have to think that she's, she's a, a wonderful person. But at the same time, maybe even if you don't like the person, what they're doing is for the greater benefit in the long term because she is breaking through some of these barriers and wearing something. And uh, really, that should be the last thing that you should criticize because I do feel, uh, and I don't think it's necessarily inappropriate to say, uh, that um, she is a young, attractive lady. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. I think that also has a factor involved with this uh, for her um, uh, wearing something and kind of drawing uh, Mm -hmm. attention because of the fact she is an attractive woman. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, what she wore, I think it's quite age-appropriate if you take away the setting yeah, of right. being in the National Assembly. And you mentioned um, of, about Ko Min-jung's uh, comments that, yes, you don't have to agree with her, but perhaps she's doing something good for the, you know, the greater good for the future. 
then if you think about what Yoo Shimin did, if he didn't wear the white pants, imagine the greater backlash that Ryo Jung would be receiving now. Yeah, yeah. Because you don't have that sort of... Um, the other side too. Yeah, the support. precedent that was set yeah. in the in the past, and so it is sort of like, I mean, you don't want to be as grand as like you know breaking the color barrier or like breaking <laughs> a glass ceiling in mm-hmm. terms of this, but it's a step in a progress that is perhaps looking at things from a more modern lens and the way the younger generation uh, views things versus mm-hmm. uh, what's been sort of the norm for the 70s, 80s, and 90s. So, uh, give us your thoughts, text us your opinions here uh, on um, our program. Uh, do you think what Yu Hojung wore at the National Assembly was appropriate or not? Uh, Texas, one, if you do, uh, two, if you don't. And uh, you can give us your reasons why in Korean or in English. And uh, you can also uh, be eligible to get a free 10,000 won coffee uh, voucher. All right, and I'll, I'll continue to read some of these uh, opinions as they come up, but we have to get back to the news, Bisorang. Um, really, what should be the top story of the day is uh, this uh, devastating weather that we've been going mm. through. Uh, one of the longest rainy seasons on record right now. And now, um, perhaps alarmingly to some people, uh, officials have decided to open up the, up, open up the floodgates. And mm-hmm. this time we're talking literally, not figuratively, <laughs> when we talk about opening the floodgates mm-hmm. of the uh, Soyang River Dam in Gangwon Province. That's right. So this is happening for for the first time in three years, Korea Water Resources Corporation began releasing water from the Soyang River Dam at 3 p.m. yesterday at a rate of up to 3,000 tons per second. Now, Soyang River Dam, it's one of the largest multi-purpose dams here in Korea, and it plays a critical role in controlling the water levels of the Han River. The dam reached a dangerous level of 190 meters yesterday, which is the limit for the rainy season. Now, to give you an idea of how much water is flowing into the dam right now, just this past Friday, so at the end of last month, the rate of water influx was 100 tons per second. The rate was over 50-fold higher, 5,000 tons per second at one point yesterday afternoon. Now, all this released water, it's expected to reach the Han River Bridge at around 7 a.m. this morning, so around about now, and expected to raise the water level there by around one or two meters. Now, then the question is, uh, if you release the floodgates, you then know that the water levels will rise. Is that going to lead to more damage here in Seoul? We've already seen uh, flooding in various parts of the uh, Han River uh, riverbeds. That's right. So officials, they say additional damage is highly unlikely because given the scope of things, the water release rate, 3,000 tons per second, actually isn't that high. Hmm. At the same time, authorities still advise people to avoid the Han Riverbed for the time being. And of course, we are seeing a lot of traffic detour advisories being put out as we speak. Now, the Korea Water Resources Corporation, they will continue to adjust the water level through to August 15th. Meanwhile, the downpours has killed 15 and left 11 missing as of 10.30 yesterday night, according to the Central Disaster and Safety Countermeasure Headquarters. Nearly 1,700 people have been forced to leave their homes, with two-thirds of them based in the provinces of South and North Chungcheong. Right. And again, uh, as we have been saying for the past few days, uh, if you are out there uh, listening to our program on your morning commute, we do hope you uh, stay as safe as possible. Uh, we're going to turn to now, um, speaking of Yushi Min, and we were talking about <laughs> uh, how uh, he did uh, create a stir back in the day with his uh, uh, attire during the National Assembly days. 
Uh, however, right now, he is uh, one of the uh, players, or I guess most people would say the victim, involved in this prosecutor media collusion case. Uh, we now have some official adi- indictments issued on three of the key players. That's right. So this is the first criminal charge to emerge from the collusion scandal. The Seoul Central District Prosecutor's Office announced yesterday that it is indicting the former Channel A news reporter Lee Dong-jae, along with two of his former colleagues, for attempted extortion. Now, the indictment and referral for trial comes 20 days after Lee Dong-jae was first put under pre-trial detention. Lee Dong-jae, as we know, was accused of using his close ties with ranking prosecutor Han Dong-hun to blackmail a jailed financier named Lee Chol into leaking corruption allegations against Yu Shimin. More specifically, district prosecutors say Lee Dong-jae and one of his former colleagues surnamed Peck, they had sent five letters to Lee Chol offering a lighter sentence in exchange for incriminating information on Yu Shimin. Now, the disappointment that a lot of people felt uh, from this is uh, who they feel should be sort of the key figure uh, prosecuted in this. This specific indictment did not include allegations of conspiracy with the prosecutor Han Dong-hun, just of uh, uh, attempted extortion. Right, and surprisingly, Prosecutor Han, he's the key aide to Prosecutor General Yoon Seok-yeol, he was not named as an accomplice, even in the attempted extortion. At the same time, this whole central district prosecutor's office, they did accuse Han of not cooperating in the inquest, especially about unlocking his phone and disclosing its content, and said that it will further investigate the case before deciding whether to criminally charge Han as an accomplice. All right. Well, uh, again, uh, there, there is some criticism for the prosecution maybe dropping the ball in this investigation, maybe not securing enough evidence when a lot of people feel there's a lot of circumstantial mm-hmm. evidence that would lead to it. But uh, they are saying that they are continuing to uh, look into the case with the linkages or the alleged um, involvement of Han. We're going to get another update now on the real estate policies. Uh, You talked about it at length yesterday. Mm -hmm. Uh, We did discuss how the protection of Chunse leaseholders and the laws that were passed there could eventually uh, maybe signal, ironically, a death knell for Chunse, Mm -hmm. as many of the landlords uh, would be now incentivized to shift to the Walse or the monthly rent system. That's right. So this all concerns that revised Housing Lease Protection Act, which was intended to protect Chunse tenants from landlords and excessive rent increases. The revision came into effect at the end of July. So the tighter regulation on landlords in an age of ultra-low market interest rate, it's considered that these two factors will accelerate the transition of Chunse to Walse in the housing market. Mm-hmm. So the government and the ruling DP, they're looking for ways to minimize this transition, including lowering that Chunwalse switch ratio. So here in Korea, we have the Chunse Walse switch ratio, which is stipulated by presidential decree. And as of July, this ratio is set at 4%. Mm-hmm. or 3.5% higher than the base rate set by the central bank. Both DP floor leader Kim Tae-yeon and land minister Kim Hyun-mi, they have said over the two previous days that this current switch ratio has been set uh, during high interest rate days 
and needs to be decreased to better fit or to better reflect current circumstances. They're yeah. thinking somewhere around 2% when I read their right. latest update. Right. And so it's, it's a very difficult balance. They're trying to increase supply, as we've seen. They're, they're trying to uh, make more punitive tax measures against people mm-hmm. who own multiple properties. And then at the same time, they're trying to uh, de- disincentivize this move towards uh, moving towards Walsa as well, all while trying to keep housing prices at an affordable mm-hmm. level. Uh, one of those ways, increasing the supply, which you again uh, t- told us yesterday, uh, this uh, supply plan in Seoul and Gyeonggi province, uh, there were some people who were uh, concerned about this. And you mentioned the uh, disagreements with various municipalities, mm-hmm. particularly uh, the city of Seoul. Um, it does seem maybe perhaps those differences have been narrowed. It appears so, at least for Seoul, anyway, because in a meeting of economy-related ministers held at the Seoul government complex yesterday, fiscal chief Hung Nam-gi, he underlined that the central and Seoul metropolitan governments are not in discord over the reconstruction deregulations. Because the previous day, the Seoul city government, they held a separate briefing of its own, saying that it didn't really consent to the federal government's blueprint. Now, to this, Hung said that Seoul did not oppose the plan itself, but instead came up with suggestions that reconstruction issues in the private sector also needed some adjustments. The minister also urged the government task force to work closely with Seoul City and other interested parties to prevent what he called, quote, policy miscommunications. Yeah, and so... There are still some lawmakers, and ironically, uh, most of them are from the ruling party side. Uh, particularly, we talked about no one. Uh, the three lawmakers who represent the uh, districts there, the ruling party side, uh, mm-hmm. they are opposed to this plan, that influx of new uh, units, especially that golf course. And then here, right where we are uh, located in Sangam area, the Mapo district, which is represented by uh, the uh, ruling party lawmaker uh, Jung Chongne, he is also opposed to this plan, that the influx of new units that would be uh, built here as well in terms of that uh, affordable leasing scheme. So mm-hmm. uh, still some kinks to iron out, but it uh, goes to show that uh, not everybody necessarily is unanimously uh, supporting uh, the supply plan. Uh, let's talk about the Korean New Deal. Now we're getting some details here as well. The DP apparently giving a preview on what's known as the uh, Korean New Deal Fund. That's right. DP lawmakers held a policy meeting yesterday morning at the nation's bourse operator Korea Exchange. Party leader Lee Hee-chan, numerous high-level officials from financial authorities, as well as key figures from the private financial sector, they all attended the 90-minute meeting. So what does the New Deal Fund look like? It's still all very tentative, but the likely picture is as follows. The fund open to the public will be a long-term product, somewhere between 3 and 10 years long, and it will log a stable annual yield of around 3% with a guarantee on the principal. There'll be a fixed 5% tax rate on investments under 300 million won, and the government also plans to provide various tax benefits. Now, along with providing a place for people to invest their money, the K-New Deal Committee hopes that the fund will foster a culture of long-term and healthier investment as opposed to short-term speculation. Finance expert turned lawmaker Hong Song-wook said that in addition to being open to individuals, the fund structure could also benefit institutional investors like pension fund operators. So 
like I said, it's still all very tentative, mm. but further details are expected to emerge later in the month. Right, so it's not necessarily a high-yield investment, but uh, 3% guaranteed annually. Um, not bad if you had Pegok or, let's say, 10 billion won, uh, Natasha. You Thank could, you very uh, much. You could <laughs> in, put it into this fund, get a 3% annual return, meaning you would make Samak or uh, 300 million won just on the interest alone. You, mm-hmm. Some people could live off of that. So um, pretty <laughs> stable I'd be happy. fund <laughs> to see. Let's just uh, get that uh, 10 billion uh, first as the principal. I guess that's all of our goals. <laughs> Final story here. Uh, the defense Defense Minister Chang Gyeongdu has confirmed that Seoul has successfully developed uh, Hyunmu 4. This is a, a new type of ballistic missile and comes after President Moon Jae-in mentioned this development in late July. That's right. The defense chief confirmed the development during a ceremony to mark the 50th founding anniversary of the state-run Agency for Defense Development. Now, this comes just a week after North Korea's Kim Jong-un said that Pyongyang will, quote, never stop honing the most powerful national defense capacity. Minister Chong Yong-du said that the military will forge ahead with its plans to strengthen its power and develop cutting-edge weapon systems, including guided weapon system, long-range and hypersonic missiles, high-power warheads, and Korean-style satellite navigation system. And regarding the recent deregulation of solid fuel space rockets, the defense chief anticipates a drastic improvement to the Korean military's intelligence, surveillance and reconnaissance capabilities. Right. And certainly uh, with an eye towards North Korea, uh, at the same time trying to encourage uh, uh, more uh, dialogue and engagement. But uh, from the defense ministry's point of view, still need to maintain that uh, deterrent and uh, uh, combat readiness. Bisurang, as always, thank you very much. Always appreciate it. And I believe we will talk to you again tomorrow. That's right. See you tomorrow.